Welcome in to the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. With your defending champion, Stirk Daddy, runner up, Cascade Bear, third place, Amelia Clark Fan, D. Sladkey, Bucks and Six, Justin STP6, Lefty79, Andy Pollock, Little Slads, Prince Palmer17, Spaceballs the FFT, and WGL1035. Welcome into this episode of the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. We are entering week nine. We had a kind of boring week eight, as you're going to see when we get into the weekly matchup review. However, this week, we are joined by a special guest from within the league. We are joined by the Rockies CFO, CEO, and COO, as well as a franchisee owner. It is Will. How are we doing, Will? Pretty good, Logan. How about yourself? Doing great. Always excited to talk about some football. And, oh, my gosh, do we have some headlines this week. Yeah, no kidding. It seems like every single day from basically Monday on this week, there's been something new. And, uh, you know, here we are in the in the middle of the NFL season, and there's always drama, and it's it's always interesting. Now, if you guys – uh, are used to hearing Justin's beautiful voice. He is currently preparing for his wedding this weekend. So make sure you guys send a congrats his way. Uh, he is pretty busy with that. Uh, and then also having parent-teacher conferences as well. So he's got a lot on his plate. But I know Will definitely uh, is going to fill in in a positive and and be a great add to the to the podcast. I know you were you're craving to get back on. It's been about a year. Um, but yeah, I, I listen to the show weekly and I'm more than happy to step in and, and give Justin a little bit of help here. Just want to say congratulations, congratulations to Justin. Um, you know, big step in life getting married here. And, um, you know, as a teacher, this is always a busy time of the year too, with uh, basketball beginning and everything else, but, um, more than happy to help. Yeah, Justin, if some of you have not heard, is also going to be coaching. He's a head coach for basketball right now. I believe his current roster size uh, in total is 21. However, after suspensions and ineligible students and injuries, he's sitting at 15. But I know he's really stressed uh, knowing that obviously only five can play at a time, uh, having a lot of people and having to play everybody. He told me that they just got absolutely waxed in his last game. It's the the depth is definitely special there at Partyville, um, but I know that Justin's up for the job. So let's get started this week and talk about our beloved Gulag. Well, I'm the Lord of the Vale. When I grow up, I'll be able to fight anybody who bothers me, or you. When we get married. You can tell me if you don't like somebody, and then we can bring them back here and whoosh, right through the moon door. 
So another two beloved members were eliminated this week in the Gulag, and we have now eliminated 50% of the league. So we are down to 16 teams remaining, and it's getting interesting, that's for sure. We would like to say our goodbyes as they fly out of the moon door to Sterk Daddy, one of our great For the Throne members, and Mikey Novak, who had at least seven issues of roster negligence, but was able to survive. And Will, I know that, uh, was it last week? Not not obviously this previous, but the week beforehand you got eliminated, correct? I did, and, and that was a, a painful goodbye just because of how much time I actually enjoyed being a part of the Gulag. Um, you know, it was my first year being a part of it, and just to say, like, how competitive it was and, uh, you know, just trying to gr- stay alive each week uh, was obviously quite the challenge and um, kind of sucked going, but I kind of asked Logan to be a part of the, the chat still just so I could see all the action that was going on. And, it, it, you know, some some notable names that definitely got dropped again. So, um, yeah, we're, we're halfway there and kind of curious to see who ends up on top. Yeah, so if you look at our league right now and who is still alive from members that are in our league, because a good handful of them are in the league, uh, in the Gulag. Uh, So Justin was eliminated. Ryan and I are still alive. Tyler is still alive. Uh, Jake was eliminated, I think, the second week. Uh, Stirk Daddy was just eliminated. You were eliminated. Andy is still alive. So it's me, Ryan, and Andy holding it down right now. <clears throat> so let's take a look at some of these waivers that went through actually a couple hours ago. Starting at the top, the most expensive waiver player this week was C.D. Lamb. Flip the CD. He went for $123 to your good buddy Peter. And Peter was not done. He also dropped $98 on DeAndre Swift. So those are two great players that he got right at the top. Notice that comes with consequence, too, because if you look at the budget left for Peter, he is literally down to his last two dollars. So <laughs> whatever move he makes beyond here, he's, you know, he's going to have to get pretty lucky. And he's got to hope that, you know, with what he has left, that they, you know, their bye weeks are done and he doesn't have to make too many more important drops. The next transaction came with Jay Boster, our defending champion. He is still alive. He has barely survived multiple weeks. He dropped $50 on Jeremy McNichols, who is really the only running back uh, that started the year with the Titans that is left with Darrington Evans being on the IR and then Derrick Henry going to miss most of the remainder of the season, if not the entire thing. Then came Antonio Gibson to Vince, even for $28, followed by Dallas Goddard. This one really pissed me off because I think I got outbid by a dollar or $2 by Ryan. He went for 26 and I drastically needed a tight end with Ricky Seals-Jones going to the bye week. Next came Brian Edwards, who arguably, well, I guess it depends. Do you think Brian Edwards or Hunter Renfro is the, the current wide receiver one for the Raiders? Based off a of target share, I believe it's going to end up being uh, Renfro, but <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Edwards now getting more action, seeing as Uggs is no longer with the team. And he went for $20 to Shuby. Then we had what's dead may never die. He's back at the age of, what, 36? Adrian Peterson came back to me. The Titans signed him. I am really hoping that this isn't just like 
a vision and he doesn't play week one. I hope he actually gets some touches, even though they're playing the stout Rams defense. I got AP for $18. Sam walks away with the Saints defense for $11. Drewster spends $10 on a kicker, Nick Folk. Siggy somehow walks away with Terry McLaurin for $9. Billy somehow walks away with Dak for $7, as long as he plays. That's a bargain. And then finally, Joe kind of solidifies his already dominant roster with a $3 bid of Jerry Judy. Did anything of that list that we've already talked about really stick out to you? I know you made mention about uh, Peter's uh, budget, and that was that's kind of funny. Yeah. And, you know, just looking at Peter's team right now, as I, uh, as I pull that up, he, he definitely has some good pieces here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if this week, if Boston Scott will continue to get touches in Philly, uh, looking at his bench as well. Um, as long as he can survive, you know, this week, um, potentially Clyde Edwards Hilaire will be back soon. I hope. And then he's also got Swift as well, and he's also got Metcalf on a bye. So tell you what, if Peter survives this week, he's definitely looking good, I feel like, for the rest of the season, uh, given that I think a lot of his players have already you know, been on bye, and he can, he can definitely try to be careful and maybe make some of those under-the-table moves just to maybe get slightly better. So looking at the five biggest Gulag budgets left, starts at the top. We were joking about this beforehand. Drewster has $962 left out of 1000 What is going on there? I have no clue how he continues to do this. Last year, I think he finished third place, uh, and he did the exact same strategy and somehow kept surviving. I don't know what he's going to do with that money, if anything at all, but here he is at the top. Second is Sam, who has $273. Third is Ryan with $262. He's in a great spot as long as he can continue to save to survive. We got uh, Trevor St. Peter with $171. And then Billy has $162. And man, some of these teams are just set, ready to go. Should be able to survive for the next couple weeks, barring any injuries or buys. Let's talk a little bit about the five main NFL player stories of this week. So it starts at the top with the main injury news coming from Derrick Henry. And we know that Derrick Henry in our For the Throne League is rostered by Little Slads, a drastic blow to his team and his potential playoff opportunities. And he really needs to make the playoffs because Ryan owns his first-round pick. Uh, what are your thoughts on Derrick Henry? The loss of Derrick Henry is huge. He was off to a great start to kick off this campaign. Basically, I felt like he was definitely in the running for MVP based on how much he carried that Titans offense. So, yeah, his, his loss definitely sucks. If you look at Little Slad's team, though, he's got a couple backs that definitely he could slot in. And if they've already had their bye, he could be, you know, he could be covered there. But the loss is obviously huge just because of what he was doing so far this season. Um, you know, beyond, beyond all that, and we'll get into um, kind of our pickups later down the line. He's also, you know, just in case of future injury, he's got, you know, A.J. Dillon, who will probably see more touches this week. Um, Carlos Hyde, depending on the situation with uh, James Robinson. Um, and then he's also got 
Um, he's also got guys like Josh Jacobs and also Damian Harris. So the loss is definitely significant. He already had great running backs to begin with, but um, let's just hope that maybe there's a glimmer of hope that he does come back towards the end of the year, but we don't know where he'll be at that point. So the loss is tremendous. I think what the Titans are kind of planning right now, especially with their signing of AP, is they really can. I know obviously he's not going to be as productive as Derrick Henry, but he's really going to be the guy that when they're in the red zone, I think he's going to be getting the rushes. It was the exact same way with Washington. It was the exact same way with Detroit. Um, I think what the Titans are hoping is going to happen is Derrick Henry is ready to go for playoffs because I think that's really what the Titans are aiming to do. Their division is absolutely horrendous. They have a two-game lead on the Colts. They've swept the Colts. They have to play the Jaguars and the Texans yet this season. They're pretty much going to be a lock to win that division. I I think they're just kind of hoping that they can get to the playoffs and see what happens. The next person I wanted to talk about was the second story of the week, and it is in the example of Michael Thomas. He is one of four stories that broke today. Michael Thomas is going to miss the season. He has done literally nothing from me, and he has basically missed two years. I'm going to go back right now because I know you had Michael Thomas, and we made a trade in which I landed him, and everybody was calling me the winner. Well, definitely don't think that was the case. So I'm pulling up our transaction we made here, and I received Michael Thomas and sent you Ronald Jones, Corey Davis, and Adam Thielen in a three-for-one trade. Um, Do you have any thoughts on Michael Thomas in general or that trade uh, in hindsight? It just kind of sucks just kind of, you know, from a fan of football, how far he's kind of dropped. You know, going from one of the top receivers in the league, and I kind of, you know, give him all the credit for kind of carrying my team in the year one of this league. But um, I definitely took advantage of an opportunity and we thought that he was going to be back and healthy. And um, I'm very happy I made that trade with you. I, I kind of tweeted today saying I really felt sorry for for you um, based off of the news of what we learned today. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very happy right now that I have the guys that I have that I've gotten for his return. Um, kind of just, you know, I, I sold them at the right time. And you know, I look at the Saints right now and, you know, I feel like they're going to be fine. They, they beat the Buccaneers without them um, and they got a pretty deep team and they're willing to do whatever it takes, even with whoever is leading at quarterback. I think they'll be fine, but just makes makes you wonder what might have been if he was healthy and um, if a few of the other things were, were kind of fixed inside his head, too. So I'm looking right here at the ears 2016 through 2019. He was the wide receiver. Seven, five, six, and one. So, yeah, he was an absolute sure thing. And last year, he only played seven games and he had 90, he was ranked 93rd in uh, fantasy. So, as you made mention of, just an absolute drop off. I'm seeing here, and I didn't even remember this, he went to school at college, or he went to college at Ohio State. I'm telling you guys, there are two superstars, wide receivers that are coming from Ohio State, and I'm looking forward to eventually profiling and talking about them as we get to that point. Remember, Dynasty never ends. The next story came in the example of Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID, and he is going to miss this week 
with the potential, just depending on how things go and the protocol, to miss next week against Seattle as well. Um, so basically what happened is he tested positive. Um, I don't know the full details. He made a comment that he was Im- immunized. I don't know really what that means. Um, but I remember back in August, he said something about like how <clears throat> he was he was vaccinated and he's not going to like hold any judgment on anybody that chooses not to be. But then it comes out today that he wasn't vaccinated. Um, is it true that Aaron Rodgers was in a tweet war? I haven't been on Twitter at all today with Rappaport or no? Uh, he wasn't involved in any kind of communication online. It, it, he's been very hush-hush today. Um, I, I'm guessing a lot a lot of Packers beat writers just trying to get as much information as they possibly can. He was slated to talk today during press conferences at noon, but of course that all changed when the news broke out that he was uh, that he tested positive. So Spaceballs is going to have to re or he's going to have to kind of uh, uh, depend on Daniel Jones this week as a starting quarterback. We'll have to see how that goes. I think they play the Raiders. Yeah, and, and I just dropped the quarterback today, too. So he does have another option out there with, uh, you know, Geno Smith. But as I said that now, I just realized the Seahawks are on by. I, I tell you what, Logan, as, as a Packer fan, um, I guess I could have seen the writing on the wall as far as when was it going to start to affect the Packers. And as we kind of saw that outbreak with the Bears from probably like two or three weeks ago, Kind of, it kind of sucks that it happened the way it did now, and you know it, it's incredible what the Packers are doing to themselves at this point. Um, I have to imagine that locker room is you know, looking for answers as far as you know why things are the way that they are, and I'm sure you know they're trying to tell Jordan Love right now just you know try to be safe, try to you know do what you can to not get sick, and you know you're our guy, and you're going to have to lead us out against this Chiefs defense and. Let's just hope that he knows who uh, Daniel Sorensen is because uh, he could have a big day. Uh, he could make a name for himself and definitely make Packer fans feel comfortable about the future. Or, you know, he comes into this very unprepared and, you know, we think about what might have been in the missed opportunity that, you know, this could have been the season where we again lock in home field advantage and, you know, a game like this might cost us down the line. So um, it's just been a roller coaster of emotions for Packers. Packer fans, you know, worldwide, just this whole entire season. It's, it's a little insane. The next story is a very sad one. <clears throat> and it comes in the former first round pick. In fact, he was the number one wide receiver drafted in that class. Uh, it's Henry Ruggs. And Henry Ruggs uh, was drafted by the Raiders. He's a speedster. We know he's very well known for his uh, ability to get downfield and run a fly route, but uh, Henry Ruggs, unfortunately, uh, was driving over 150 miles an hour. He was under the influence, and he ends up killing someone. He's facing between the range of 2 to 20 years in prison. Uh, So Ruggs has completely diminished his dynasty value. One thing I was actually curious about, and I'm about to log into my calculator right now, is what his current value has changed to in a matter of hours, but oh my gosh, it's just so sad to think about um, what what just kind of cons- or, uh, happened over the last uh, couple days with that. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? 
Well, I kind of said in the chat today, if you even cut that speed that he was at, which was like, what, 156? If you cut that in half, he's still technically speeding. Uh, and I don't know if he was like on a side street or on the interstate, but regardless of the point, for how late out that he was, maybe out partying, um, just take an Uber home. I know we talk a lot of times of finding a safe ride home. He didn't do that, and now he, he's going to have to live with that the rest of his life. Um, just just a complete idiotic move on his part, and the drama with the Las Vegas Raiders continues. You know, with Gruden to begin with, and now with Ruggs. So talk about a franchise and an organization that has just all this bad you know, karma around it right now. And here they are. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at their record, but I know they're over 500 right now. I thought they were uh, four and three or something. Uh, they are. They're currently leading the West. <laughs> oh, geez. Probably one of the most. Yeah, they're five. Holy crap. They're five and two. Probably one of the most competitive, uh, you know, divisions in football right now. Um, the Chiefs are tied for last in that division with Denver at four and four. So, yeah, they, they lose a, a very important part of their offense and it's going to take guys like Hunter Renfro and um, Edwards just stepping up there to trying to lead that offense. Um, it's unfortunate too, because the trade deadline was yesterday and all this news came out and the Raiders did not make a move for another receiver. So uh, they're kind of in jeopardy as far as what they do. And probably the guy who I feel the, the, the worst for in this situation is Derek Carr. He's, he's quite the leader in that locker room and, He's been throwing all these different curveballs his whole entire career. And, and this is just another one where it's just like, what, you know, what, what the hell? And, uh, you know, what might have been? Yeah. Um, the last question I have about this is so Rand or uh, not Randy, Jake dropped him today. Do you think someone picks him up in our league and keeps him on the roster? I know, you know, it's, it's a definite possibility. I, I don't plan on doing it. Um, I guess maybe if there's a team that's just looking for a wide receiver, there's the definite chance, but if I had to place my, my bets right now, I, I would, I would think, you know, it'd be pretty foolish for somebody to do that just because for how deep this league is. And um, there's, there's other important players out there right now that could definitely make a bigger impact than what Henry Ruggs would do just sitting there. So he's, he's valued at 0.6 right now on the calculator. <clears throat> so how the mighty have fallen. The next and last person we're going to talk a headline about is Odell Beckham Jr. And the drama continues for A, Team Randy Santarelli, and B, Odell Beckham Jr. And the ever-ending story. So Odell Beckham Jr. reportedly uh, is done with the Cleveland Browns for the season. Uh, I know, like, footballers I was listening to today, they said that it's definitely in the realm of possibility that they cut him. But, like, I got to check what his contract is right now because – I feel like it would be awfully odd to cut a player of his stature. Uh, his contract right now. And another thing is, so he signed a five-year $90 million. Oh, that was with the Giants. What am I kidding? The Giants so, traded him, correct? So I do have some information ah, here on go. Beckham. So He's got Beckham three years is left on the contract. Yeah, Beckham is under contract for two more season, but seasons, but has no guaranteed money left on his deal. So he has a $1 million roster bonus due on the first day of training camp of each of those seasons. So the Browns themselves would save $15 million on their salary cap if they were to trade or release him during the offseason. 
So I feel like if they were to cut him now, they're going to be shooting themselves in the foot just because already a lot of teams are kind of like capped on what they're able to do financially. And additionally, you would have thought they would have traded him for sure and taken whatever they could if he wasn't going to play. And like, there was a rumor that like his dad was tweeting some stuff and like a bunch of players in the Browns were like liking his tweets or something like that. I haven't seen it, but Odell Beckham senior. Um, but man, Odell Beckham, he is another guy just like Michael Thomas that has just completely fallen off the radar. And you kind of saw the writing was on the wall uh, during LSU's title run, probably two years ago when he was down there on the fields there on the field there in new Orleans, handing out hundred dollar bills, you know, smoking cigars with the team, you know, just all this you know, shitty things that he was doing. And just, you know, a lot of people wondering what the hell he was doing. You know, he's always been a guy always about himself. And again, this, that's what happens when, you know, for with some people, unfortunately, when all that fame gets to their head, I think when you, you know, you look back on the career of OBJ, what's going to be said about him is just kind of his superstar catch. And that's practically it because, you know, he didn't, he didn't make it work in New York. He's definitely not making it work in Cleveland. And, and now, you know, we're, we're looking at the strong possibility that he might've played his final game with the Browns. And we don't even know now what team would maybe take a chance on him. You know, I know, I know a similar thing happened with Antonio Brown as well. Could something happen here as well? Definitely. But like, I, I don't, I don't really see it right now. There's a lot of growing up that he has to do. And I just don't know if there's any teams that have the patience that they do to have a player of his toxicity in their locker rooms. So what you're telling me is because it's relatable to Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham is the next member of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, I, there, there's, there's a possibility. You just never know. Let's talk about some waivers in our league. The first waiver of note was Little Slads picking up Derek Gore. The great grandson of Frank Gore, he goes for $31. Oh my gosh. $31 because of one touchdown drive he had for the Chiefs. Even his brother called him out for that. <clears throat> He's gone from practice squad to uh, $31. And, you know, understandably so, just because Derrick Henry's now gone. Um, Sleeper hasn't projected at 10 points this week against oh the Packers. So. I mean, there's, there's, you can always run that possibility that he'll do the same thing, but you can't always count on those sleeper projections. So, um, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess if you want to spend your money on a, on a guy that's maybe going to be a one- or two-week thing before CEH comes back, then go right ahead. I, I, I don't care what you do. Then next, we had me picking up Albert Okwebunum, who is the 23-year-old tight end on the Broncos. So now I have Noah Fan and Albert O., uh, Noah Fant just went on the COVID list. Uh, I for sure thought some other people would put a bid in with for him. Um, he was pretty involved last week, even with Fant there. Um, and he's only 23 years old. And we know that tight end is really a position of need. It's just a lot of flyers. Um, so $31, I really hope that uh, I do not regret spending that amount of money. We'll have to see what happens. Logan, I will say, like, with spending that kind of money on him, I would I – would care to guess that you're probably going to keep him there as long as you possibly can um, just to try to make out for all that fab that you did spend. Yep. That is true. The next one was Randy picking up the man myth and legend, the New York football jets starting quarterback, Mike white goes to Randy for $23. 
with Zach Wilson being injured. Mike White has already been named the starter, even though the Jets traded for Joe Flacco in tomorrow's game against the Indianapolis Colts on Thursday night football. But my God, he was so good in last week's matchup. I can't expect uh, Mike White to go off for 400 yards each time. But again, you know, Randy's got the money. I'll let him spend it on him. Randy's got quarterbacks that have already had buys. So I, I maybe don't understand the move all that much, but he goes to Randy's quarterback room. And if he ends up being the next sure thing, then Randy's got himself a pretty good quarterback. Then the last waiver of note was Spaceballs picking up Mercedes Lewis for $12. As a Packer fan, is Mercedes Lewis going to be the starting tight end with Tunyon out, or what do you think is the role? So Mercedes is basically kind of a, a guy that goes out for a lot of the you know receptions, I would feel. Uh, he's in the end zone, um, kind of he's red, red zone dependent now that uh, Tunyon is gone. So he's definitely going to have to step it up. Uh, $12 for him. I guess there's not a bad thing about that. Um, though with Rogers out this week, he, he probably won't, you know, see, you know, the targets that he had, did see with Rogers, but, um, he's going to probably be that guy that they go to, to, you know, make up for that loss of Tanya. And that's it for our waivers. So let's get into some cookies. Cookie. All right, let's hear it. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at this week's cookies. What do you got for us, Will? So with cookies this week, we actually had our lowest score of the season by 19 points. So kind of a down week as far as overall performance from everybody else. Starting off with cookies this week, the quarterback position was led by Buffalo's Josh Allen, who led the Bills with 33.46 points. Uh, with the running backs, they were led by rookie sensation Michael Carter of the Jets, who was rostered by Will, who had 32.2 points. Runner-up for the running back position was Joe Mixon, who is owned by Sturt, with 24.4 points. From the wide, re wide receiver position, A.J. Brown paced Randy with 31.5 points for the Titans. Uh Runner up with the running the wide receiver total this week was Chris Godwin uh, from Tampa Bay, who scored 28 points against the Saints secondary from the tight end position that was led by TJ Hawkinson rostered by yours truly with 18.9 points getting a lot of garbage points against the Eagles from the flex position. Tyreek Hill of the Kansas City Chiefs had 27.4 points on Monday night for Sturt Daddy. Runner-up at the flex position was Michael Pittman for the Colts, rostered by Logan with a solid 30.6-point effort. From the kicker position, Sturt Daddy had Nick Folk go out for him, who had 15 points. At the D-line position, Harold Landry of the Titans scored 15 points for Andy this week at linebacker Sturk had TJ Watt who had a solid 17.5 point effort. Xavier Woods nicknamed Xavier Woods on Logan's <laughs> team had 24 points at the uh, defensive back position. And then at the IDP flex spot, Randy's Jordan Poyer of the Buffalo Bills had a 19.5 effort against the Miami Dolphins. So if we get into our player total of cookies for, uh, for this season so far, 
Uh, the leader at the quarterback position is still Josh Allen of Sturt Daddy's team with a three-cookie effort so far this season. Derrick Henry leads all running backs with three for little slads, though I would have to guess that now that that number might be uh, kind of you know outscored now, seeing as Henry will be out for some time. Looking at the wide receivers, uh, two girls, one cup who is owned by Andy, has a solid four-point effort. He continues to have a great year with uh, Matt Stafford. At the tight end position, um, all of our tight ends here are at a solid one. TJ Hawkinson joins that list. As far as kickers go, Sturks Nick Folk has two cookies on the year. And then looking at our defensive linemen, Harold Landry for Andy has a solid two-cookie effort for the season so far. At the linebacker position, T.J. Watt continues to have a great season with four cookies uh, for Sturk Daddy's team. Uh, for defensive backs, Kevin Byard for Little Slads has three cookies. So when we look at our team totals, uh, Sturk Daddy leads the way for the season so far with 20, followed by Team Pollock with 13. We have three teams tied for third between D. Sladkey, Little Slads, and Team Palmer. We have two tied for six between backflips for Tua and Rocky Rococos. And then we have four teams tied for eighth with six cookies between outdoor furnishings, CESA 5 sucks, Spaceballs, the FFT, and All Elite Fantasy. And then Randy's bringing up the rear at five cookies for the season. Hate to see it. <clears throat> so just as we started last week, we're going to now kind of bring in our the Last Dance Fantasy Basketball League. As we've talked about, we do start 15 people in our league. However, for cookies purposes, we are only going to use eight, which is the standard starters and role players for an NBA team in terms of the most important players. So <clears throat> let's take a look. Week two, we had a cookie score of 445.75 points. That is ranked second, so two out of two so far starting at the point guard position uh interesting thing about fantasy basketball in comparison to football is most players are eligible for two three even four positions so luka Doncic is the best point guard of the week with 53.75 for team bucks and six aka legalized kemp at the shooting guard position we have devin booker with 51.5 for Ryan's team, also known as Young Guns. At the small forward, it is R.J. Barrett with 53.5 for Andy's team, which is C's Get Trophies. At the power forward, we have Giannis Antetokounmpo with 58.75 for Jake, a.k.a. Indoor Furnishings. And then at center, we have the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic with 57 points for Will, a.k.a. Sprite plus Lemonade, no ice. And then for our three utility players, we have Carl Anthony Towns for Eric, a.k.a. Uh, Bill Walton Smells Colors. He has 63.25, the best player of the week. We had Montrez Harrell for Will with 54.5. And then finally, we had DeAndre Ayton with 53.5 for Eric once again. If you look at the totals for this season, in first place, we have a three-way tie between retirement benefits fraud, Justin, 
Sprite plus Lemonade No Ice, which is Will. And then Bill Walton Smells Colors, which is Eric. Tied for fourth, we have two people. Legalized Kemp, myself. Indoor Furnishings, Jake. And then tied for sixth with one each is BP for the gold, Tyler. C's get trophies, Andy. And then Young Guns, which is Ryan. If you look at the totals, there's only one person with two cookies. Two out of two. And it is Nikola Jokic. Everybody else has one cookie exact. Congrats to Nikola Jokic, the dominant center. So let's take a look back at week eight. I'm going to do week eight, and then you are going to preview week nine. So if we, take a, if we look at, at week eight, the very first matchup was between All Elite Fantasy, myself, and Team Andy Pollock. And I, believe it or not, Pulled off the victory, 149.8 to 130.5, moving myself to 2-6, and six, but still in last. And Andy moves to 5-3. and three. <laughs> On my team, I had the Butcher, Ryan Tannehill, with 27.2. I had Ray Phoenix, Michael Pittman, 30.6. My, it is insane. I had four players score less than four points and somehow still won this matchup including my running backs combining for two points on the dot. We look at my defensive lineman, Matthew Judon scored 13, Derwin James with 14 and a half, and then Xavier Woods scored me 24. On Andy's side, she had 30.2 from Matthew Stafford, 24.5 from Cooper Cup, and Harold Landry with 15. Everybody else was kind of mediocre. So a huge upset for myself over Andy. The second matchup was between... The last backflip and Team Stirk Daddy. Team Stirk Daddy wins this match of 199.6 to 111.7. So a almost 88 point victory for Stirk Daddy. Stirk Daddy was led by Josh Allen with 33.4 and Eckler with 24.4. He had Mixon with 25.1 and Tyreek Hill with 27.4. 20.7 for Robert Woods. And Nick Folk at 15, Miles Garrett with 10.5, TJ Watt 17.5. Just a lot of massive scores. On Tyler's side, he had 15.7 from Tua, 18.2 from Cordero Patterson, and 17.2 from C.D. Lamb. He also had 16.5 from Randall Cobb, who you made mention might be the quarterback this week. And then finally, we had Jonathan Greenard. With ten and a half, so Lefty moves to two and six, which is eleventh place, and Stirk continues his dominance, being eight and zero oh in the number one team. In the third matchup, we had D Sladkey versus Cesa Five Sucks, and Cesa Five Sucks won the matchup one seventy one point four to one hundred nine point nine, so almost a sixty two point victory. On Cesa Five Sucks side, we had twenty one point two from Jonathan Taylor and twenty two. Point three from Daryl Henderson, a.k.a. Darnell Anderson. We had 26.2 from Amari Cooper, 20.3 from Brandon Cooks, 17.5 from Devontae Parker, and then 10.5 from both Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner. On D Slack, he said he had 16 from Patrick Mahomes, who has been drastically uh, struggling and leads the league in turnovers. 14.2 for James Conner and 18.5 in Devontae Booker. 
He also had 15 from Stephon Diggs, who's had kind of a disappointing season. In fact, he is the wide receiver 23 right now. Cam Jordan had 10 and a half. So D Slads moves to three and five in 10th place, while Justin moves to four and four and fifth place. The fourth matchup was between Cascade Bear Outdoor Furnishings and Little Slads. Outdoor Furnishings wins the matchup 151 to 134.7. So about a 16 and a half point victory. On Cascade Bears side, he had Chuba Hubbard with 14.1 and Aaron Jones with 24. I'm sure he's going to continue his dominance with Jordan Love at quarterback this week. We also had Keenan Allen with 19.7. We had Deontay Johnson with 15.8 and Debo Samuel with 23.1. Nickname, I like this guy. And then at linebacker, he had Foisad Oluokan with 14. On Little Slaz's side, he had 33.2. From Tom Brady, a lot of garbage time. 14 from Damian Harris, 13.7 from T. Higgins, who he recently acquired from Ryan for a first-round pick. And then Hassan Reddick had 10.5 and, and Kevin Byard with 17. So Cascade Bear moves to 5-3. and three. He is currently the three seed. And Lil Slats to 3-5. and five. He's in ninth. <laughs> Fifth matchup was between Prince Palmer and Rockies in COVID protocol. It is a recent name change. And Rockies in Pro COVID protocol won the match of 195.4 to 144.8. So almost a 50 and a half, it actually is a 50 and a half point victory. Ryan was led at quarterback by no one. Monty <laughs> Teo, Manti Teo's girlfriend. He did not start a quarterback this week. Elvin Kamara had 16.6, and Chase Edmonds had 15.9. He had 13.1 from Jamar Chase, who just continues to catch touchdowns. He had 21 from Cole Beasley. He had 10 from Tyler Bass, 11.5 from Devondre Campbell, who has been really, really solid for the Packers. Speaking of the Packers' defense, recently cut Jalen Smith after just getting him. 16 from Jesse Bates and 13 from Eric Kendricks. On Will's side, he had 17.8 from Justin Herbert, who had a really bad game, but still outscored Ryan's non-existent quarterback. 32.2 from The Beast, Michael Carter. 28 from Chris Godwin. 22.3 from DK Metcalf. 18.9 from TJ Hawkinson. 19.8 from Adam Thielen. 14.5 from Nick Bosa. 11 from Logan Wilson. After this matchup, Ryan moves to three and five and eighth place. Will is four and four and the sixth seed, Bucks and six. The last matchup of the week came between Spaceballs, the FFT, and 200M All, aka Randy. 200M All wins the match of 144 to 122.3. So a 21.7 point victory for Randy. 15.1 from Kirk Cousins, 31.5 from A.J. Brown, 12.8 from Mike Evans, 13.2 from Dallas Goddard, and 12 from Greg Joseph. Finally, with a cookie, 19.5 from Jordan Poyer. On Spaceball's side, he had 19.6 from Aaron Rodgers, 21 from Najee Harris, who is currently the running back five. Zeke had 11.3. He had 19.7 from Tyler Boyd and 12 from Logan Ryan. <clears throat> After this matchup, 
Randy moves to five and three and currently the four seed. Well, Spaceballs moves to four and four and currently the seven seed. So on the outside looking in. But if we look at the standings as we enter week nine, we have Sterk Daddy at the top, eight and oh. We have Andy as the two seed. We have Jake as the three. Randy as the four. Justin as the five. And Will as the six. Everybody else is seeing what's going to happen. So I'm going to turn it over to Will, who is going to preview week nine. Lots of big matchups here coming up here in week nine. We're going to kick it off with the battle between Sturt Daddy and Rockies. As it sits right now, Sturt Daddy is likely to pull off the win here with a 39-point favorite over Will. As we look at the team's rosters this week, Sturt Daddy will start likely Josh Allen against a porous Jacksonville defense. He's also got Austin Eckler and Joe Mixon at the running back position. One player Will is afraid about this week is Tyreek and Destroy. Tyreek Hill for Kansas City against the Green Bay Packers. We don't know if Darren Waller will be back this week, but it looks like he is healthy once again. He's got Gaskin and Williams as his flex pieces. And then on the defensive side, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, and Micah Hyde, along with Brian Burns. Will is going to roll the dice with his players between Justin Herbert at the quarterback position. Hopefully, James Robinson will be healthy enough to play against the Bills. Hot sensation, Michael Carter will be his running back too this week. He's going to roll the dice with Jamal Agnew, Adam Thielen, and also he's pulling Elijah Moore at the flex spot with Chenault. So he's taking a chance on Jets and Jaguars this week. He <laughs> will be his tight end. And then at the kicker position, let's just hope that the Packers and the Chiefs get into a high scoring affair where he can hopefully rely on some points from Harrison Butker. So if the results hold true, Sturk Daddy would move to nine and O where Will would drop to four and five. Is anyone going to beat Sturk Daddy this year? Who knows? We move to matchup number two, where Team D Sladke faces off against Team Prince Palmer 17. And as it sits right now, Ryan would get the victory in week nine should all rosters lock in, lock in place. Ryan doesn't have to worry anymore. He's got a quarterback he can fill in at the starting position with Lamar Jackson, who is slated with a 29-point effort against the Minnesota Vikings. He's also got Kamara and Chase Edmonds, who did go off against the Packers last week. At the wide receiver, wide receiver spot, he's got Jamar Chase along with DJ Moore. At the tight end spot, he'll start Kyle Pitts, along with the flex position being uh, Kadarius Toney and Cole Beasley. His flex, his IEP pieces include Leonard Floyd, Devondre Campbell, who continues to have a great year for the Packers, Jesse Bates, and Eric Kendricks. We look at D. Slacky's team, and he's going to trot out Patrick Mahomes against the Green Bay Packers. We'll see if he can get himself back on track, as most experts believe that he is having a down year and that the pizzazz is now gone in KC Masterpiece. He's also got James Conner at the running back spot, along with Mike Davis. Stephon Diggs and Jarvis Landry will lead his wide receiver core. Travis Kelsey will try to get him some points at the tight end slot. He's also got Devontae Smith and Hunter Renfro at the flex pieces, where his IDPs look like Cam Jordan, Roquan Smith, and Tyron Mithayu. 
Let's see if Jordan Love maybe throws some errant passes his way. But I feel I got a feeling that Love will be targeting Daniel Sorensen. Max Crosby rounds up his IDP. So if the results hold true, D Slacky would drop to three and six. Ryan would drop or would move to four and five. Matchup number three is between Lefty and Randy. As the results sit right now, Randy is a 20-point favorite in this matchup. So if we look at Randy's squad for this week, he's going to trot out uh, Kirk Cousins against the Ravens. His running backs include Nick Chubb and Delvin Cook. His wide receiver room includes all Tennessee Titans between A.J. Brown and Julio Jones against the Rams on Sunday night football. At the tight end spot, he's got Dalton Schultz. And then his flex pieces include Dallas Goddard. And then, oh, wait, he's probably going to pull Odell Beckham Jr. as he's currently in his second flex. Who could he fill him up with right now? Well, looking at his bench, he's always got Ty Johnson. He's also got uh, Madison for the Vikings as well. So lots of options there to replace OBJ should he so choose. His IDP pieces include Joey Bosa, Fred Warner, Jordan Poyer, who got a cookie effort this past week, and then Darius Leonard tackling machine for the Colts. When we look at Lefty's squad, he's going to try to roll out Tua to try and dethrone Randy. He's also got uh, Jeremy McDonald's at the running back one spot this week, along with Cordell Patterson. His wide receivers include Waddle and Lamb. So those will be his two wide receivers. He's also got Zach Ertz as his tight end. His flex pieces include Marvin Jones and Kenneth Gainwell. Let's see if that will uh, you know, help him out in, in some way. His IDPs include uh, Grenard for Houston. He's also got Long for ten Tennessee, May for the Jets, and then Jordan Hicks for Arizona. So if the results hold true, Randy would move to six and three, and Lefty would move to two and seven. The fourth matchup for this week is between Logan and Justin, where as it sits right now, Justin is favored by 36 points. So Justin is going to roll out uh, superstar sensation Kyler Murray, who is projected with a 26-point effort at the 49ers. His running backs include Jonathan Taylor and Dar Darnell Henderson. His wide receivers include Amari Cooper and Christian Kirk. His tight end is Mike Gusecki this week against the Houston Texans. He's got Cooks and Parker as his flex pieces. His IDPs include Darnold, or Donald, excuse me, Devin Bush, uh, Simmons, and Amos. So he will roll out that kind of a lineup this week. We look at Logan's team, and he's got Tannehill going up against the Rams, slated to get a 23-point effort. We'll see how that goes on Sunday Night Football. His running backs include uh, David Johnson and, wow, recent pickup, Adrian Peterson. We'll see how heavily involved he gets there, but it's worth the shot. His wide receiver room includes Claypool and Pittman. Pittman, you know, getting hot as of late. He's got Albert O as his tight end. Hopefully he'll see a good target share with Fant potentially out on Sunday with COVID. His flex pieces include Mooney and Judy. And then with his IDPs, he's got Judon, he's got Shaq Thompson, he's got Derwin James, and Xavier Woods, nicknamed the true Xavier Woods. So if the results hold true, Justin would move to five and four, Logan would drop to two and seven. 
Our fifth matchup for the week includes Jake versus Spaceballs, where Jake is projected with a 22-point win should the results hold true. Jake will roll out Jalen Hurts at quarterback, along with his running backs being Williams from Kansas City and then Jones from Green Bay. I would expect Jones to get a lot of points this week with Jordan Love leading the Packers offense. His wide receivers include Keenan Allen and Debo Samuel. His tight end spot is Mark Andrews going up against the Vikings. His flex pieces include uh, Deontay Johnson for the Steelers going up against the Bears on Monday Night Football. And then he's also got Jacoby Myers going up against the Panthers on Sunday afternoon. If you look at his IDP spots, he's got Agba from the Dolphins, Alulakan from the Falcons, Fitzpatrick, and Micah Parsons. We look at Spaceball's team, and he's got Daniel Jones leading the way at the quarterback position, going up against the Raiders. His running backs include Zeke and Harris. We look at his wide receivers. He's got uh, Hollywood Brown and Tyler Boyd. His tight end spot is filled by Hunter Henry, his flex pieces are Emmanuel Sanders and Brandon Ayuk. And then his IDP spots are going to be filled by Buckner, Von Miller, who is now a Ram, Diggs from the Cowboys, great pickup on his part, then Denzel Perryman, who is a tackling machine for the Raiders. Should the results hold true, Jake would move to six and three, where Spaceballs would drop to four and five. Our last matchup of the week is between Andy and a little slads. Right now, the projections show Andy is favored by 26 points in this matchup. So looking at Andy's squad, she'll be rolling out Matthew Stafford for the Rams. Her running backs include Melvin Gordon and Zach Moss. Her wide receiver room is two girls, one cup, and uh, Justin Jefferson for the Vikings against the Ravens. Her tight end is Evan Ingram. Her flex pieces include Hopkins and Javante Williams. Her IDP pieces include Landry, Davis, Fuller, and Jenkins. Whereas we look at Little Slad's team, the quarterback he'll roll out on Sunday is the future, the future of the Green Bay Packers, Justin Love. We'll see how he does against the Chiefs. We it's a totally wild card move on his part, but he has no other choice as his other quarterbacks are on by. So kind of the cards played in his favor there. His two running backs include Josh Jacobs and Harris this week going up against the Panthers. His two wide receivers are Sutton and Higgins. He will roll out Jared Cook against the Philadelphia Eagles as the Chargers look to get back on track. His flex pieces include Singletary and Russell Gage. You look at his IDP, he's got Hassan Reddick, Jerome Baker, Bayard and Khalil Mack, should he be back? So if the results were to hold true, Andy would move to six and three, and Little Slads would fall to three and six. So Logan, it looks like we would have a lot of six and three, uh, five and four, and four and five teams. Just two games that separate between a potential buy in the playoffs or a potential lottery pick in the in the draft for next year. And a lot of those people that are right in the middle, they've traded their first pick away so they're dying to get into the playoffs the anxiety is real this time of the year any last second thoughts before we kind of close out the show so as a Packer fan I hope Jordan Love will take advantage of this great opportunity and prove Packer fans wrong 
all the all the fans that have doubted him since day one. You know, this is probably the one week where I've probably been the most optimistic for Jordan Love. I can't wait for the Jordan Love era to begin. Should it begin? Um, I really hope it's a great game on Sunday. I can't wait for that. Just want to give a shout out to Randy for reaching 200 million on RuneScape as well. And yeah, I, I hope it's a great week of football again. And I, uh, I'm excited to see what's going to come. That is all we got for this week's episode of the For the Throne podcast. I want to, again, thank Will for being a special guest on this episode. And it was a fun time. So, guys, good luck. We're approaching the trade deadline. Uh-oh. Have you guys remembered? Will, trivia question. Do you know what week is the trade deadline? Man, right on the spot. I'm going to go with week 10. Close. Week 11. So week 11, the Thursday night game is going to be... So the Thursday night game usually starts at 7.30. And if you remember from last year, we did a trade deadline at 6.30. It's going to be the exact same way during week 11. And then trades are off for the season. I feel like last year's trade deadline was actually really, really good for us. I hope that we can somewhat follow suit again. Yeah, I hope so, too. I, I loved last year. Hopefully we can see lots of movement and hopefully we can kind of define who our true title contenders are and who our, who our lottery teams are as well. And hopefully we can kind of start to see over the next few weeks who will go where. So we will see you next week. And thanks for listening.